0: Awesome. I really sense in my heart that um, the Lord is saying to us as a student's ministry of this church that this is a season for us, especially next year. It's really a season of conquest. It's really a season of taking the territory for the Lord. And in our context is UCT as a space where I believe God is even wanting to expand our influence. But perhaps, you know, the students, you work I do believe even for you, in, in terms of your sphere of influence, I believe God is really assuring us into a space where we can, we can take authority and we can take grounds for him. We can fulfill his purposes. It's not about growing a brand, but it's about seeing salvation, the salvation of the Lord taking place in people's lives. And I'm going to share from just one story from scriptures, which is, going to be like a, an analogy that I'm going to use for us to, to learn from. And I'm going to, to use the story of Joshua. Um, and I'm sure most of you have heard about Joshua. Uh, in fact, at the end of the sermon, it's not going to be long. We will get into little groups, um, each small group from this congregation. You'll meet together and we'll discuss a few things together um, in light of what I'm going to share. I'm going to try to not be long. So if you, there is a lot to say about Joshua. Perhaps next year, if I get some opportunity, I will maybe expand more about the life of Joshua. I'm not going to share about everything, but the main part of my sharing will be will be from um, Joshua chapter 1, um, from the first verse up to the last verse, actually, of, of Joshua chapter 1, which is based verse uh, 17 or 18. So the one thing that I would love to mention, though, is that when you read in Numbers 13, um, when uh, Moses was sending the spies to, to go and explore the land in Canaan, um, Joshua was amongst them. But he was then referred as Oshia. He wasn't referred as Joshua. It's only in, 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 uh, when you read in, in, number, in chapter 14 um, that Moses is referring to him as Joshua. The only difference between the two is that Oshia means basically salvation and, and, uh, jo- and Joshua means God is the salvation or Yahweh is salvation. That is the only major difference between the two. So, and I believe it was even a message to Israel because Moses was about to, to, to die and um, Joshua was the one that was going to take over from him. So it was very important for the Israelites to realize that salvation wasn't going to come from Joshua, neither Moses, but salvation was coming from the Lord himself. Um, I'm not going to go into all of those readings. You can find them in in Numbers 14 and in Numbers 13. If you read both, you'll find those references that I've just mentioned. And uh, one of the things that Moses did as well with Joshua is that he he laid... um, He laid his hand on him uh, just as a sign of impartation. The Lord instructed him to lay his hand on him in public in the midst of all the Israelites so that they will be able to submit to him as they were submitting to Moses. If you remember, if you've read um, how Aaron died, Aaron. Basically, the Lord gave an instruction that he had to go to a specific mountain, and that's where he died. And the Lord said to Moses about his death. He actually told him, well, you're also going to go to this particular mountain. And it's on that mountain that you will be able to see um, the city and the country that, you know, that I promised you, but you're not going to enter into that land. And uh, the Bible says that the Lord himself buried him. And it's only in Jude that you find um, Jude saying that Ma- Michael... And was fighting with the enemy uh, in terms of the body of Moses, but there isn't much details about that, and that's not the most important thing about it. But before Moses had to be with the Lord, the Lord um, you know gave him the instruction to prepare Joshua so that Joshua would be able to take the lead. So then, if you reread now in um, Joshua chapter one, I'm going to try. Um, Go straight to the point so that we don't have to waste a lot of time. So now, if you read Joshua chapter 1, the last verse of this chapter is verse 17. So if you you read from verse 1 up to verse 9... The majority of the things mentioned, or if they're all reading there, are actually direct instructions from God to Joshua. God is speaking to Joshua. And he's saying to him, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan you and all these people into the land that I'm giving to them to the people of Israel every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you just as I promised to Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river the river of Euphrates all the land the, of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong, very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book, shall, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not frighten. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I said, the, the, the first part of the scripture is actually a compilation of things that God has been doing with Joshua. Of, of God was things that God wanted to say to Joshua. Direct messages that God himself addressed to Joshua. What you see there, you see the Lord confirming to him first that he is actually with him. The same God that was with Moses, he's actually affirming how much he was with him. He's encouraging him. He's saying to him, be strong and courageous. You actually see he repeated three times, be strong and courageous. And you'll see many times the Lord promised him, "Say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The first thing that you see from verse 1 is the Lord saying, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, to the son of Nun, Moses, my servant, is dead. If you read in Deuteronomy on the last chapter, you'll find that you know this Moses is actually—I mean, it, it, it's actually describing the death of Moses and everything. I do believe in in this particular context, the Lord coming to tell Joshua. It's not like Joshua was ignorant that Moses died; he wasn't ignorant. But I believe God was referring to two chapters. There was a chapter where Moses was there, was the leader, was doing everything. And everybody looked up to Moses for the miracle. Joseph witnessed all the miracles. You know, everything that God did, he was there. But God was saying, listen, Moses is dead, but the story is not done. I'm not done. If Moses is gone, I'm not gone. This is a new era. I believe the last chapter of the Deuteronomy speaks about the physical death of Moses. A man died. But I believe in this one, it's referring to a new era, a new season. Moses is dead. And in our context, if I have to apply it, what I wanted to say to you is, listen, this is the end of 2018. Your first year, next year, you're going to be second year. You're not going to be first year again. So, think differently, act differently, pray differently you were maybe a small group member, but it doesn't mean next year you still have to be a small group member. You might be a small group leader. Your small group leader, she's maybe going now to another city, but it doesn't mean next year a small group cannot happen. It can still happen. All right? So, I believe one of the things that you see God doing with Joshua, God is also saying to him, Remember, do not forget where you come from. Josh, It was very important for Joshua to have a reference of the past, of what God did in the past. You know, pride is when you step into a position of leadership and then you you start looking down on everything that was done before you. No matter how anointed you are, if you go into a new city, never think that when you arrive, then ministry have arrived. You are deceiving yourself. You are deceiving yourself. So, it was very important for Joshua to have a reference. And one of the things that you'll see, you'll see that God is making promises to Joshua. God is promising to him. These are the things that I'm going to do. These are the things that I'm going to do. But above everything he could do, the Lord promised him his presence. He said, I will be with you. Joshua witnessed when people rebelled against Moses. Joshua witnessed moments where Moses was angry because people were just rebelling against him and against God. But even in those moments, the Lord was with Moses. So it was very important for Joshua to know that even when the majority of people would be against him, because God was on his side, he was not a minority. You know, when the Lord is with you, even if one thousand of people are against you, if you are right with the Lord, you are not a minority. You are the majority. That was very, very important for Joshua to kind of establish. And then the next thing that you see in, from verse 10 up to verse 17, you will see that that is the portion where Joshua now is giving instructions to the Israelites. Is now stepping up as a leader. All right? There was a moment where he had to sit down, receive words, divine revelation, divine encounter, the Lord speaking to him. But now he's moving to a phase where he had to walk in the promises that was given to him. There was a moment where he received first the impartation by the laying of hands by of Moses, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. If you read in Deuteronomy 34, it speaks of the spirit of the Lord was upon Joshua spirit of wisdom, it was upon him. It was given to him by impartation. But in this particular space, Joshua had to walk in the promises of God. This is where a lot of us Christians, many times we still walk in passivity. Sometimes we just said, the Lord has promised me. I'm going I'm to lead the nations. I'm going to do this. Great. The Lord have spoken. What are you doing? What are you doing about it? So now Joshua, after hearing from the Lord, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people, prepare your provision, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go to the, to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. All right, so. The first thing that you notice, Joshua spoke to the leaders. He spoke to the leaders. He spoke to different tribes. And he gave them specific assignments. And that was very key. All I'm saying is, all of you here, sitting on this chair, wherever you are, you are a leader. You are a leader. And I believe tonight, God is speaking to you. And God is saying, you've walked through the campus. You've walked through lower campus, upper campus, and middle campus. And there are things I believe that I want to do with my people. Because I didn't just send you at UCT to only get your degree. There are lives that need to be changed. You've got to be like Joshua. Your life and your presence should communicate to UCT that God only is the salvation. Only God saves So there is a little bit of a responsibility from you and I. God has spoken many times to each and every one of us. All of you have received word from the Lord. And tonight, what I believe God is saying to us in terms of how we should even come next year. God is saying, I want you to think as a leader. I want you to pray as a leader. I want you to act as a leader. Because if you do not do that, one of the things that Moses did when the Lord told him that he was was not going to inherit the promised land, he was not going to step into that, he was going to die. The prayer that Moses made, he asked the Lord, he said, but who will be the one going out and coming in, taking people out and taking people in? Who will be that shepherd? That was the cry out of Moses. Then the Lord said to him, Joshua will be there. The Lord might send people that needs to be saved. But the Lord is not going to send sheep that will die because there is no shepherds. So tonight, I'm speaking to Joshua's. I'm speaking to people that need to step up. You've already been at UCT as a spy. And you've realized that is actually the land which we can take for the Lord. You know, I was recently... I went to a prophetic meeting uh, recently. I went with Leona, and I met a guy. He, he got saved at UCT in the 1996. He was a student. He was staying at Leo Markwood, and he was sharing with me about what the Lord used to do at their church, which is still at UCT. He said to me that back then, there were small groups in every floor at Leo Markwood. Every flow. So whenever they had services, the the venue was packed. They were meeting in the Baxter Theater. They used to meet. It was packed inside and outside. When they had Bible schools at Lazily Social, it used to be packed. It used to be packed. In fact, two weeks before that I met another man who told me of the same story. And I realized God was speaking to me. That It is possible if we can reposition ourselves, it is possible to see those things happening again. Because I thought like those things were not real, the way they were telling me. But it was actually happening. There were students there. And I was very glad that on, on Wednesday, we went to, I went together with the guys from Leo Markwood, we prayed, and we asked the Lord for that which has been lost. Because God is the Redeemer. And if the Lord did that, In smarts or your market, whatever it is, he can do it in every single residence. The reality is, we need a plan. We need a plan. Because the time of the manna was over, now the Israelites needed to act as leaders. Needed to act as people who had to inherit the land to plan the future. Can we make a plan about next year? in terms of the places where God has established us as a church. Like I say, this portion speaks of the two dynamics. The prophetic, but then obedience to the prophetic. Prophetic voice and prophetic actions. Faith and works. Alright? God has spoken. What are we doing about it? So we've got to think of the Lord. We've got to make a plan. What can we do? to see revival at Baxter, to see revival at Grusher, to see revival at Leo Markward, to see revival at Copano, to see revival at Cl- Clarenus, to see revival at Rochester, all of these places that the Lord has sent us. Alright? So, sometimes we think, oh, well, I can just sit there, receive the word, prophetic words, great. Sometimes we are too fat with the prophetic words. We need to go to the gym, spiritual gym. I'm telling you, Jesus only had twelve guys. Here's the thing: if you read in Acts one verse eight, the Lord said to them, gives them a promise. He said, "You shall receive the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power when the Spirit will come upon you, and you'll be my witness." All right? Give them prophecies in in all the gospels. The Lord promised them the Holy Spirit and everything. What do you see in? Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes, Pentecost and everything. But what happened after Pentecost? Peter steps up. He doesn't, he doesn't just get there praying in tongues and remaining in the temple. No. Peter preaches up. He started preaching. He preaches, he preaches, he preaches, he preaches. People are getting saved. In fact, you'll see there is almost like two records from chapter 2, chapter 2, to, 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 to chapter 4, like two records of, of two of his sermons. And you'll see in chapter 3, it mentions how 5,000 people got saved. And you'll see when you read, even in chapter 8, even in chapter 4, you'll see Philip going to preach in Samaria. People are getting saved. Because Jesus said, when they asked him, when will you reestablish the kingdom? He said, he said when the people come upon you will be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria to the end of the world. You'll see Philip goes and preaches in Samaria. you see the same Philip goes and reaches out to a unique Ethiopian. And in chapter 9, what do you see? The apostle Paul is converted. And where does he go to the nations? You'll see the people that there was, a, there was a space where the disciples received the word. That's like Joshua. They received the Holy Spirit, but they didn't remain in the same place. They acted on it. They shared the gospel from the 12 to the 5,000 that God saved. And from there, you're out to people of different nations, the unique Ethiopian, and even the Apostle Paul later on getting saved. And we see the gospel moving from Jerusalem up to the end of the world. And today, we are a fruit of those people who didn't choose to remain in that temple, in the upper room. The problem today is that we stay in the upper room. And we want to stay in the upper room forever. That's the problem. Yes, here, this is like the upper room. We get charged. Receive the Holy Spirit. But after that, we need a plan. We need a practical plan for our small groups. If, for example, there is five people in your small group, well, everyone should maybe say, okay, cool. Let's put our faith. Every person will be a small group leader. So that means if there is five, then if each person has five people in the small group, automatically you will be, how many will you be? 25. That's cool. You need to count, okay, well, how many are we in this race? Let's say, for example, in Leo Markwood, there is 450 people. And what they trust in God for first is to have 10% of the students from Leo Markwood. Ask the Lord, why don't you? Why don't you? Why will you just ask the Lord, why do you last less? If the Lord says, I can give you anything, don't be clever, just ask. Don't try to be apologetic in your prayer. Ask the Lord. If the Lord says, ask, ask of him. Alright? Because we are your children. How will you feel if your own child have to think and become apologetic by asking you things? We are children of God. So I would love to stretch your faith. Come out of your comfort zone. You're not going to be a small group member anymore. You're going to be a leader. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. What I'm saying is we need to trust for more people because a lot of people are dying away from Christ. And we are like, some of, sometimes we stay like babies that still need to receive milk and milk and milk and milk. God is saying, you have received milk. Now it's time for you to go to Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right? Change your mindset. So what we're going to do now, we're going to sit in different groups. So you take people from your small group. Each small group leader, if you're here, get the people who are from your small group. Get them together. You need to chat. So we've got at least 20 minutes. We're going to speak, you're going to chat about how, what is your, you're not going to plan everything, but make a plan. What is the kind of thing that you want to commit to in terms of next year? Practically, what do you believe God is saying? About your residence and what are you committed to do about what God is saying? All right. So, every if you were in Leo Marquette meet with Armand, if you in uh, guys from some of the guys from Copano, I know like even is not uh, Wilbert is not here, you can even meet with me and or with Armand and others. Okay, great. For example, you need if you believe God is saying. Next year, Gracia will be a year of Pentecost. Okay, cool. Okay, well, well, are you committed to facilitate people to encounter the Holy Spirit? Maybe one of the ways could be encounter one. You can facilitate there. Or one of the ways could be that you can maybe facilitate prayer there. All right? Or maybe you could be believe God is saying it's going to be a year of multiplication. Great. You can set up. A outreach strategy, maybe during orientation week, it could be evangelism, it could be any practical thing. Is it clear? Yeah, the thing is, we want to step up, all right? so let's group into let's move into different groups and let's speak about it because we do not want to come to church just to receive. All right? Cool.